We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky. And this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis. Yeah, and, and that's I'm not from anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. He's a I'm rambling a, man. Yeah, wandering Aramean. <laughs> so, <laughs> that sounds familiar. But, but we have a special guest. We have a special guest with us today. Uh, my stepson, uh, uh, Pastor Tim Shakel, is with us today. You want to say hi, Tim? Hi, everybody. And just tell people a little bit about yourself, if you would, Tim. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm not sure what there's to tell, but I uh, live in Chaska, Minnesota, uh, and uh, I'm on uh, an active status. So I don't have a church right now, uh, but I'm uh, doing vacancy work in, in Janesville, Minnesota. And uh, so Tim spent the night with us. And, and Matt, this will make you jealous. We had blueberry uh, uh, <laughs> toast. What, what kind French, of toast? French toast. French toast. I'm sorry. French make the best toast. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's how we started on our day. Whoa. How about you, Matt? I had a bowl of bran flakes, John. So <laughs> you got me beat, you and Tim, living high on the hog up there in Minnesota. <laughs> that's right. So, so, so here's the thing. Now that – funny that – since we're talking about food, we, and Tim, we've been doing this for the last couple of weeks, so just to kind of get you caught up to date. Uh, one of the things about wrestling with the basics, Tim, is, is we are not hesitant to deal with the controversial topics of the day. Okay? And Someone's got to do it. Yeah, well, and, and certainly one, and, and you know, most people won't even touch this. That's how controversial it is. But, but we have extensively talked about eating vegetables, which I know there's a great controversy out there. <laughs> a lot of the kids, I know the kids out there, the youngsters, they're they're don't eat vegetables. You know, they're they're out there protesting with their signs. Um, but would you like a little? I, I did a deep dive in the Bible about vegetables. Would you like to know what I learned, Matt? Sure. Well, and, and you know, I'm putting this together, John. So this is why we don't hear about it in the mainstream media. You know, on the <laughs> nightly news, this whole vegetable conspiracy. It's it's too hot to handle. It's <laughs> that's right. But not for yes. not for us. Even Fox News won't touch it. That, okay. That's how controversial oh, it is. And, and Tim, you'll be proud to know it was your sister that actually got us on this, because uh, uh, your sister Stephanie pointed out that in in before the fall, before sin, we were eating from trees, which means we eat what, Tim? What do we fruit. eat? Fruit. Eat fruit. Yes. And then she pointed out after the fall, we're eating things from the ground, which of course is where you find vegetables all right so here it is did you know uh matt the word vegetable is actually used in the bible it does address the topic of vegetables okay all right so the, the word for vegetable you pronounce it tim because tim's a hebrew scholar by the way if you got any hebrew questions ask him how would you pronounce that word Yarak. all right so say it one more time Yarak. that sounds so much better doesn't yeah. it matt <laughs> i'd say Yarak. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 okay, so Deuteronomy 11 uses that word for vegetables. And you know what the context is? That's the way it was when you were in Egypt. 
That's what it says. You're going to go to the land of milk and honey because it's not going to be like the land you had in Egypt from which you came where you sowed seed and irrigated it like a garden of vegetables. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's what you get in slavery. You get a garden of vegetables. In the promised <laughs> land, you get milk and honey. Uh, Tim, you want to read the Proverbs? Here's a Proverbs about vegetables. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. All right. And the word there, herbs, is actually the word for vegetables again. But if you think about it, that's kind of a backhanded compliment about vegetables, isn't it? <laughs> Big time. Yeah. yeah. yeah the vegetables are okay. You can settle for that if there's love. But, but everyone knows you really want the meat, right? <laughs> exactly. The fat dogs. That's what we want. And here's the one to me that is the clincher. You are familiar with, of course, with the famous story of Ahab and his neighbor Naboth, Matt. Yeah, the vineyard. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and you know how he he has Naboth killed. Yes. So he can get his vineyard. vineyard. Well, yes, yeah. yes. And what? By the way, Tim, what do we grow in vineyards? What? Uh, vegetables. No, there's no vegetables in a vineyard. What are you drinking? <laughs> you mean, carrot juice? You mean, you mean grapes and those <laughs> yes, vegetables? Yes, thank you. Fruits. Fruits again. Would you play along, please? <laughs> Okay, so we had a vineyard where, where fruit were being. No, there's no carrot wine. <laughs> what wineries are you going? <laughs> but guess what Naboth wanted that vineyard for? Can you guess, Matt? Vegetables, I bet. That's right. He wanted to plant a vegetable garden. <laughs> right. and that is indisputable, John. You are right. <laughs> I, you know, and, and here's what I think is really – the. You know what other word to say the word say say it one more time, Tim. What is it? Yarak. You know what other word that is used tra- for, translated for? Spit. I can only imagine, John. <laughs> spit. Spit. There you go. You eat it and you spit. Now, I thought we had things settled, and, and then my wife, who can never leave good enough alone, she comes out and gives us another example of the word vegetable, where vegetables actually have a positive take in the scripture. We'll pick that up next week, though, Matt. Okay. So today was the... Lynn. Uh, was the, I know. If she just kept her mouth shut, we'd be fine. No. But next week, I, we'll do the pro. We'll do the pro. By the way, I'd like time. to I'd like to extend an apology to all the parents out there listening to the rest <laughs> of the basics. Parents of young children. <laughs> You're sorry. <laughs> Good luck with, with, with encouraging your children to eat their vegetables. <laughs> That's right. Take it to the man, kids. <laughs> All right, but we got to stop this because you've got some other words you want to talk about. We're doing the uh, um, armor of God, armor of God. So where do you yeah. want to go today with the armor of God? Absolutely no vegetables involved. However, we're talking about something today that can slice and dice. Uh, so we are talking about uh, that next piece in the armor of God, the sword <laughs> of the spirit. Nice. <laughs> Did you like that segue, John? I loved it. Ephesians yeah. <laughs> 6, right, Matt? Ephesians chapter 6. And okay. let's let's read that as a reminder to our listeners. We've been reading through these uh, verses where Paul talks about the armor of God. Let's uh, let's start all the way up with, with verse 12 this time, John. If you or Tim could read uh, verse 12 through the uh, sword of the spirit uh, and uh, and and we'll we'll go from there you want to take it Tim sure it'll be through, through so chapter verse uh, 12 through 17 for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness 
against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And all circumstances take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. All right. Thanks, Tim. Uh, so, uh, as you read through those different pieces of the armor, the, the sword of the Spirit is different. Okay, so so think for a little bit about the literal pieces of armor that Paul lists, and, and see if you can see if you can tell why the sword of the Spirit's different. All right. So so again, we've got those pieces of armor: the belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the shield, the helmet, and now the sword. So, how is the sword different? When it comes to literal armor, when it comes, you know, what is how's it different from the belt, breastplate, shoes, shield, and helmet? Any insights, well, guys? The uh, only offensive weapon. Yeah. So, so yeah. So those other parts of the armor, they're defensive, right? The breastplate, the belt, the shoes, the shield, the helmet. You know, they're 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 just outfitting the soldier. They're just outfitting the person. But a sword, a sword can be offensive. You can attack with a sword. You can defend with a sword, too. No doubt about it. It's defensive as well. But you can also attack with the sword. And so God gives us this sword of the spirit, this weapon, to to overrun the devil's territory, uh, to spread the reign of God uh, with the sword of the spirit. And I think that's interesting, too. The other thing that's sort of unique is it says the sword of the spirit. And then did you catch what the sword of the spirit is? The sword of the spirit's not not metal, right? Uh, but what is the sword of the spirit? Did you catch that in verse seventeen? It's the word of God. Exactly. So the sword of the spirit is the word of God, and so that means that the word of God can be used to defend against, but also maybe even going on the attack against the devil, against Satan, of uh, the word of God. So we've been looking at uh, in our study on the the armor of God. A little bit about the first century weaponry, uh, because certainly as Paul's writing this, he probably has a Roman soldier in mind. Maybe, like we said before, maybe even has one in view as he writes these words. And for the Roman soldier in the first century, their sword was called a gladius. A gladius. A gladius. A gladius. I so, think we've got some flowers outside that are gladius. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that's gladiolus. I'm gladiolus, sorry. John. Was, oh my yeah, goodness. I get that confused. Man, yeah, I'm glad yeah. you didn't pick that up and try to <laughs> attack <laughs> someone that. with your gladiola. With a gladiola. Okay, gladius. But, oh. but, okay, so gladius. But but we get another familiar word, English word from gladius. Um, there's a there's a movie made after it uh, with with this with this word. I think Russell Crowe stars in it. Are you talking Gl- about Gladiator? Yes, yeah. So Gladiator. So uh, the sword is called a gladius. So the word Gladiator means swordsman, someone who bears a sword. So I think that's kind of cool uh, that connection. So a gladius uh, that the swordsman of a Roman soldier would carry would be sharpened on both sides, and then would have a tip on the end. Uh, a tip that would be capable of, of piercing armor. So again, um, a powerful weapon for defense, for offense too. But as powerful as that weapon was for the Romans, 
this sword in the spirit, the word of God, is even more powerful. Uh, the book of Hebrews, I think, talks about that. Uh, familiar words. I'll just go ahead and read it. Um, Hebrews says when it talks about the word of God, the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. I think that's a beautiful description. Uh, the sword of the spirit is sharper than any gladius, sharper than any two-edged sword, the sword of the spirit, uh, the word of God. And, and it has to be because uh, verse 12 that Tim read for us, our, our enemy is not flesh and blood like the enemy of the Roman soldier would be, but our enemy is, is spiritual. Uh, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, Paul says, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So this is a spiritual battle. We need a spiritual weapon. We need the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Wait, All right. That's a good that's a good point cuz cuz we've ever watched a ghost story a ghost mm-hmm. movie and you know of course people will grab a gun or a sword or whatever and it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. I like that connection about it. it's not against flesh and blood. So typical flesh and blood weapons are not going to but yeah the sword of the spirit yeah yeah that uh, the word of god sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, if you ever watch Ghostbusters, they're not fighting ghosts no. with sword, right? right? Uh, that's not going to work against Slimer. Uh, no, they're, they're using special weapons. And uh, even vacuum, more so... Vacuums work great, though. So. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and I think, too, it's just a reminder that this, this spiritual battle, you know, kidding aside, is a very real one, you know? And even though we can't perhaps see with our eyes at times of uh, the spiritual battle, it, it's very real. Um, and I think we see the realness in that example of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Uh, that is certainly a spiritual battle between Jesus and Satan. So this book that we've referenced a couple times during this uh, talk about the armor of God, that book called Equipped, uh, that, that recently came out from CPH, um, the author has this description of the Jesus temptation in the wilderness, but he tweaks it. All right. So I'm going to read a little of what he says and see if you could tell how he tweaks this. Okay. So it says, uh, he writes after his baptism, Jesus was led in the wilderness by the spirit. Okay. So far, so good. Uh, there Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, uh, hoping for a moment of weakness. The tempter, the devil came to Jesus. The devil suggested, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Ignoring his hunger, Jesus shook his head. No, and refused. Uh, and then he goes on. Okay, so he goes on to that, that temptation of the temple. And again, throw yourself down. If you're the son of God, Jesus shakes his head no. Uh, again, he takes him to the, the high mountain. I will give you all this if you bow down and worship me. And then Jesus shakes his head no. So can you tell the difference? What, what did the author change there when it comes to Jesus' temptation in the wilderness? Did you catch it? You got that, Tim? I think I, I think I missed it. <laughs> he, he never uses the word of God. Okay. So he says, he says no, right? So he shakes his head no uh, yeah. in this description, but, but he never uses the word of God. Yeah. So in the real account, right? In the real account, Jesus doesn't remain silent, uh, but he comes back, responds to the devil each time, all three times with God's word. He quotes scripture, right? Uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. All that is from scripture, those three comebacks 
against the devil's temptation. So the, the point is, and I think it's a pretty cool point that the author makes, uh, is just simply this, that Jesus wields the sword of the spirit, the word of God against the devil. And he uses it, I think you can say offensively against the devil, because what happens is after Jesus does that three times, what does Satan do? He limps away, yeah. right? Yeah. He, he gives he, up, it and, seems. And, and even that is at the word of God, right? Because doesn't Jesus tell him, depart? Yeah, get away, yeah. God. Get yeah. be gone, Satan, right? And he's victorious over the devil by using the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. Um, and I think that that victory in the wilderness, remember, doesn't it say there at the end that the devil departed into an opportune time, right? Oh, yeah. So he attacks again. The battle's not over, uh, but he limps away, injured. And then that defeat of Satan in the wilderness through God's word, I think that prefigures to then that greater defeat of Satan, of course, uh, at the cross, <laughs> at the empty tomb. Uh, and certainly, um, you know, we see Jesus' victory there uh, in an even greater way. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's interesting. Jesus wasn't passive in that fight against Satan, but he actively attacks Satan, really, uh, using that sword of the spirit, the word of God. Tim, yeah. I, I, mean, I know you've obviously preached on that temptation and it shows up a couple times in the Gospels. Any particular thoughts that you have about that temptation of Jesus? Well, it uh, is parallel to the temptation of Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve fail their temptation. Jesus succeeds. And that just that particular verse that he quotes from Deuteronomy, well, he quotes Deuteronomy all three times, but... Uh, uh, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds uh, from the mouth of the Lord. And that's uh, kind of goes in with what Matt is saying here. Uh, you know, that, that's, uh, that, that's, that's our, our breath that, that, you know, that comes from the spirit and, you know, that's what gives us life. And uh, that's what we, we live on and is our weapon in this case against all evil. And, and you know, it's interesting now that you brought that up, Tim. Yeah. Because, because, they, they, they don't use the word of God or, or they contradict the word of God. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're right, man. It is, it is all about the, and, and, you know, I was thinking too, the devil uses the word of God there. Of course, again, he, he doesn't give you the full story. He leaves out some crucial words, but uh, uh, yeah. So that's a good point. The whole thing is about handling the word of God. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Yeah, exactly. You know, Adam and Eve failed that. Uh, the 40 years in the wilderness, the Israelites, right? They fail at that. <laughs> but Jesus, he succeeds at that. That's what he attacks with. Um, so I think that, um, you know, I think one thing to learn from this, too, is Jesus isn't passive when it comes to uh, fighting with the sword of the spirit. And, and you know, related to this topic, I think, too, is this idea that, you know, we're not called to be to be passive as as God's people. Right. But to fight the good fight. You know, that's that's what Paul says here in, in Ephesians chapter six. And I think, too, of just things like our, our what we call sins of omission, sins of omission. Uh, those times when we are are passive and we even sit in our passivity uh, during those times when we've well, we confess that we've sinned by what we've done, but also by what we've left undone. Uh, and sometimes we don't give much thought to that, those sins of omission, you know, those opportunities when we have to to help someone in need and we just don't do it. Or, uh, you know, a friend is maybe contemplating something like an abortion and, and we don't offer help or, or words of of support uh, in, in support of them and their child's life. 
Uh, I think of husbands and wives. Boy, we're guilty of this all the time. Uh, the kind and encouraging things we could say to our spouse in a marriage uh, that that needs that's needed in a marriage for it to thrive, and yet we we remain silent. Uh, so sins of omission. You know, God doesn't call us to lead a, a passive life, especially when it comes to the, the sharing of His Word, uh, but to fight the good fight of faith. Uh, we're called to that. But I think, too, part of it is, you know, this idea of having a fighting mentality and, and the uh, you know, being on the attack with God's word. I think that feels a little strange to us, maybe, as Christians. Uh, we know Jesus' words in the Beatitudes. He says, blessed are the, the peacemakers, right? Um, Jesus describes himself as being gentle and lowly in heart. And aren't, isn't that what we're supposed to be, peacemakers, gentle? Um, and I would say, yes, when it comes to our neighbor, Yes. When it comes to other people, well, yeah, yeah, in general, yes. But I think the, the point here is when it comes to that spiritual battle, uh, when it comes to the devil, when it comes to Satan, we are not called to be at peace with him ever. <laughs> we are not called to be at peace with Satan. To be at peace with the devil means to go along with his works, to go along with his ways. And the only peace that the devil ever is going to accept is this complete surrender. Uh, a rejection of Jesus, ultimately. And we never, ever want to do that. You know, I think of even uh, when a child's baptized, or an adult is baptized for that matter, uh, what do we say? Uh, that uh, we renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways. We're, we're basically saying, I am not at peace with the devil. <laughs> and this baptism is proof of that. I am a child of God. And so knowing that we're at war with Satan, uh, this side of heaven, we need the word of God. We need the sword of the spirit. Uh, yeah, we're not at peace with Satan. Just the opposite. Uh, we're doing battle with him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the two things, too, that I, I, I crosses my mind. One of the mistakes the church uh, makes throughout uh, its history is that uh, it forgets this is the only weapon we have against the devil is the word of God. Because often the church will turn to secular and worldly means, and they think, "Oh, this is how we're sure. going to uh, overcome yep. evil." And, and ultimately, no, no, no. There is no worldly, uh, secular, earthly means. There, we have we're not, we don't care about earthly power. We don't care we're the most powerful institution in the world because uh, we have the power of the word. That that that's our our force and strength. And, and the other thing that impresses me is this fact that it's the sword of the spirit. Because I think that's the other problem. We pick up the word of God like it's our sword and we're going to mm -hmm, handle it mm -hmm. our way. And the fact of the matter, no, it's way too powerful. It's so heavy. I couldn't pick it up. <laughs> yeah. But with the spirit, with the spirit. Yeah. No, no. With him. Yeah. We can get some really things uh, great. In fact, I, I'm thinking of that passage where Paul says we don't even know how to pray because that comes up later on in this text, praying at all times in the spirit. But but the spirit prays for us with words that we, we don't even know how to utter. So, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Jim, any, exactly. any last comment you want to make about this? And then we're, we're pretty well done with this episode. Or? Sure. Just that. You know, this is the lifelong battle, you know, since Adam and Eve, since the fall of sin, that, uh, you know, Satan has his words. It's been a long battle of words. You know, Satan has his words, and he would like us to trust ourselves or trust someone else and uh, instead of trust God. Uh, and But God uh, helps us correct it and humble, humbles us and forgives us and uh, brings us right back uh, into the correct relationship. 
Yeah, I like yeah. that thought. It's a battle of words, but not not human words, which are usually that's usually a statement of of lack of power. But yeah, these are very very uh, powerful words. By the way, uh, Matt, I, I want to point out we we have Tim here for a purpose because he has some powerful words he's going to share with us uh, next episode uh, on what's the chapter you want to share with us, Matt? Exodus thirty three. And some that's a story we don't talk about, but it's got some powerful words. Matt, you got you got 30 seconds left here. Wrap it up for us. Yeah, I just one last encouragement concerning the word of God. You know, when Satan attacks Jesus, he doesn't have to get out his Bible. He doesn't have to Google a good Bible verse. <laughs> he knows the word. So just to encourage our listeners, uh, be in the word, wrestling the basics, Bible class, worship, your own study of the word. But, but also encourage you to memorize the word. Uh, it's part of your heart, part of your mind, that, that when those attacks of Satan come up, it's accessible to us. It's in our heart. Uh, we can uh, be defended, and we can even perhaps even go on the offense at times, too. Um, so know the Word of God. Uh, be armed with the sword of the Spirit, uh, which is the Word of God. And we thank you. This has been Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the Basics. The basics. <laughs>